The Astros finish April 15 and 13. And while we anxiously await the hopefully imminent return of Michael Brantley, another Astro has seemingly joined the walking wounded. It's episode 21, which means we're old enough to drink and we might need to. We'll talk about it next on Stone Cold Strohs. And it starts right now. Welcome to Stone Cold Strohs. I'm Brandon Strange. I'm joined by senior content contributor Charlie Palillo. And if you're not reading his weekly column on sportswrap.com, shame on you. And Josh Jordan is recovering from all that Texans draft coverage last week. He'll be back next week. Charlie, welcome in. And to you, the merry, merry, well, the Astros hope anyway, month of May already upon us. Indeed. And it was uh, an interesting I'd say weird month of April. I don't know if that's just because we're getting some used to these rule changes, you know, the pitch clock and things like that. Uh, the Astros, as I mentioned, finish April, uh, April with a 15 and 13 record. And that's without Jose Altuve and with, without Michael Brantley and without Lance McCullers jr. Um, and just for reference last April, they finished 12, 11 and one. So it is kind of a tale as old as time. The Astros, do tend to get off to slow starts. Charlie, what's what's your what are your biggest takeaways so far from that opening month of this season? Well, if you're an Astros fan in March 29th, opening day eve, you were offered 15 and 13. When the calendar clicked to May, you'd probably say, no way, they're gonna be a lot better than that. 15 and 13 is fine for a 28-game stretch of the, the schedule. Go back to 2017 when the Astros exploded upon the baseball world, beginning to the ultimate end, winning the first of the two World Series titles. They roared from the gate 42 and 16, or maybe 42 and 17 of the way they began that season. They then played 500 ball for two and a half months, 38 and 38, nearly a half the schedule that they played 500 ball. So the ebb and flow of 162 games, even 28 games, while an appreciable chunk of the season, by more than one-sixth has been played. By the end of the week, more than 20% of the schedule will have been played out. But it's still, uh, you know, a couple slices, not even a couple slices of a, of a full pizza. So, you know, if a whole bunch of things had gone horribly and you were 10 and 18, and you'd feel like you're already buried if you want the best record in the American League again. Right? They start May seven and a half games behind the Rays, which is problematic, but not, not overcomable. Um, and credit to the Rays, who've had an awesome uh, first sixth of the season, driven by a very soft schedule. And we look at the Astros' schedule getting into May, and there's always the concern of, well, they play down to the competition sometimes. Well, you want to win 95 to 100 games, the point kicks in where you don't play down to the competition. You kick the crap out of inferior competition. So the Giants, not a very good team, at Minute Maid Park to start the week. Then their first nine-game road trip of the season – Right. If you want to be disappointed May 1st, think of Seattle Mariners fans, 12 and 16 as the calendar turns. Uh, Texas Rangers, meanwhile, okay, they've had a really good month. Well, Jacob deGrom, they're already passing bricks, shall we say, over his health. Forearm issue, you know, I'm not saying, and I'm certainly not hoping that uh, a Tommy John surgeon needs to be on call, but through McCullers and Verlander, when a pitcher, especially with all of deGrom's throwing arm history, has a forearm issue in his pitching arm. Uh-oh. 
Uh, the Mariners have lost probably their number two starter, Robbie Ray, for the season to a bum arm. Uh, the Angels never seem to have enough good pitching. Well, their real promising young catcher, Logan Ohop, they probably lost him for the season, and he was off to a real good start. So uh, the Astros being without Altuve, uh, being without Brantley, which is a much less importance than Altuve, but not trivial. And McCullers you're not counting on to who knows when anyway. But 15 and 13, just two games back of the Rangers. Uh, they'd be the third wild card as we start the month of May, but that would make for a very, very short regular season. So all in all, they're fine, and I'm sure we'll work through some of the individual pluses and minuses. You can know with the big, biggest plus, uh, I would say Kyle Tucker, who's not had a monstrous start, but a very good one for a guy over the past couple of seasons has just stumbled uh, horribly for week-long stretches first quarter of the season. Not an issue for Kyle Tucker this year. Alex Bregman, meanwhile, continues to scuffle, sub-700 OPS. And then there's Jose Abreu, who, um, you know, his IV might require formaldehyde if he doesn't show signs. But as we covered in a couple of recent uh, conversations, he's had lousy starts before, but he's pushing it. And each day that goes by, you know, it's still early. It's still early. It's a little less early by the day. And Abreu has just stunk it up to this point. Hence, Michael Brantley, when he gets here, might be breaking in that first base glove a little bit, which is about, hey, some versatility and a way to get Brantley in the lineup if you don't want to jerk out Myers. And once when McCormick gets back here, you still want a few at-bats for Corey Jolks. But it's also a screaming indictment of how awful Jose Abreu has been his first 28 games as an Astro. Yeah, and, and I think their ability to stay above 500 with those notable uh, injuries that you, we mentioned, you know, Altuve, Brantley, and McCullers, I just – really think it speaks uh, to the depth of this team. And you mentioned the Mariners four games under 500 Yankees are in last place in their division right now. So when you look around uh, relative to uh, what's going on in other teams, especially with a lot of these injury concerns that you're talking about uh, the Astros are fortunate. When it's all said and done, I mean, they, I mean, they should consider themselves fortunate that things are not worse. Knock on wood. We'll see uh, what's going on with Jose Urquidy. We'll talk about that a little later. Um, I wanted, you know, you kind of talked about some of the bright spots. You mentioned, you know, kind of Tucker, like coming out of the gates red hot. Who's been the biggest surprise to you so far this season on this Astros roster? Um. Uh, for a guy who was really not thought of as being in the in the picture going to spring training, uh, Corey Jolks has had a couple nice moments. On the one hand, the 297 batting average in his playing time. Hey, that's excellent. One walk drawn in 74 bats. So his on-base percentage is 302. That's not good. So a mixed bag. It's not as if Corey Jolks has been great, but he has looked like a major leaguer. And he's played a solid left field, uh, went out there. Uh, Jolks kind of the anti-David Hensley after flashing in a very, very small sample size last year. But the guy who I think, if not a consensus, at least a majority, certainly within our confines, consensus, uh, should have had the real first crack at the, the regular second base job. Uh, Hensley's been brutal. I mean, he's striking out every two and a half at bats. I don't know how many called third strikes he's taken, but he just looks lost. Well, that's Yin for most of the first month of the season. And Mauricio, uh, Mauricio Dubon was Yang, uh, the 20-game the hitting streak. Um, water does find its level, though, and Dubon's already started to slack off, and, and I referenced Jolks. You know, Dubon's batting 302, but he never walks. 
you know, three with 74 or 94 at bats. So his on base percentage is 327. Alex Bregman's batting 219 starting the month of May. His on base percentage is higher uh, than Mauricio Dubon's. So, uh, good story for Dubon at his level, but Altuve cannot possibly get back here soon enough. When Dubon was hitting 340, he was not as good an offensive player. Uh, as Altuve, because not like Altuve is a walking machine, but he's drawn some more as his career has gone on. And of, of, of course, the, the, the power element uh, that Altuve brings. On the uh, pitching side, it's not like Fromber has been awesome, but he's been rock solid. And I mentioned the Mariners being down there, number two starter. The Rangers are going to always have to sweat it out uh, with DeGrom. Uh, Garcia, after the rough start, settled in. Uh, a little bit. Javier hasn't been devastating so far, but I don't think there's been any cause for concern with him to this point. Well, in the concern column, then you have Jose Urquidy. Uh, it's been a couple of years since he's had uh, arm problems. Uh, he did get shut down for a couple of weeks just as precaution last year, kind of a tired arm. But anytime you hear shoulder soreness, that's when you cross your fingers on because, Brandon, you alluded to Astros depth. Their major league roster, their lineup depth, the starting unit depth is good. The starting rotation, and let's throw Hunter Brown in when talking about that. After a, a scuffle start, uh, he's been excellent. The bullpen is stabilized and looks like one of the best in the game again. Uh, but their bench depth is not nearly what we've been accustomed to over the last few years. And down on the farm, right now it's bleak, at least in terms of the 2023 Astros. Uh, when they were in build-up mode, they would understandably and rightfully boast about how winning culture, our guys are winning together in the minor leagues, our AAA team's doing this, our AA team's doing this. Well, so far this season, they all stink. Collectively, they're 32-53 and 53 through April. That's 100 lost baseball over a full major league season. Uh, Sugarland has been for hunger, 8-18. Eight and 18. Corey Lee, not a very good start. Pedro Leon, eh. Forrest Whitley after a couple of very strong outings has been lousy three in a row. So if Arkady is to go down for whatever period of time and McCullers isn't ready yet, who are you turning to? And I think we've also had a couple of guys who there should have been major expectations attached to, uh, but a reminder that spring training results really don't matter other than if they open a door of opportunity, then what do you do with it at the major league level? Right, Ronald Blanco out of the bullpen has been shellacked a couple of times. And Justin Dearden, uh, the choice of many, to get a shot as a left-handed hitting outfielder, he's been he has been inept so far at Sugarland. Not batting 200, striking out left and right. There's really nothing at this point at AAA that you're saying, hey, that belongs in the major leagues. If the Astros need fortification, some of the results are you, you start to uh, we'll say the results are humbling because you start to understand how quickly a manager can be made to look like a genius or a buffoon or even a general manager you know, depending on how these decisions go, uh, you know, the Abreu, uh, con again, we'll get into Abreu a little bit more, a little bit later, but the Abreu signing, I think universally was heralded as a good deal. Uh, there was some concern about you going three years at his age, but I don't think anyone was, you know, was projecting a fall off this precipitous, uh, again, still early. We'll see, but it just goes to show you. And, and, I raised my hand during the you know, your mention of Dearden because I was one who was an advocate for Dearden to be on this roster, uh, and he goes down to Triple H and has really done nothing. I also was an advocate for Hensley getting more opportunities. Hensley is also, as you mentioned, scuffled mightily at his time uh, getting 
uh, you know, is the most exposure he's ever gotten at the major league level. And he just has not been able to put it together from my eyes. It looks like he's looking to work walks more than he is looking to put balls in play. You mentioned the call third strikes. I really think that's a gamble on his part. He's, I think when he sees a ball down in the zone, he's just, his automatic instinct is just to lay off of it because he's betting on a breaking ball. And same thing with a ball outside. He's just laying off of them, looking to get on base. And I think the book is starting to be written about him. I think uh, pitchers are able to uh, predict that he's going to try to work a walk more than he's going to try to swing the bat. And so I just don't think there's really anything to fear in pitching to Hensley, especially down low or off the side. Um, you mentioned, uh, you know, the pairing of uh, Jolks and Dubon as the surprise for you. Uh, the surprise for me, this may be surprise other people. My surprise was Jordan Alvarez coming out of the gate being red hot as he's been because with the hand issues early in spring training, uh, you know, and this was something that he dealt with last season, and, you know, had spent time where he was, you know, kind of sitting, you know, sitting on the bench, not playing. I didn't know how quickly he'd be able to ramp up. I had no idea that we'd go through the month of April. He'd be, you know, tied for third as an RBI leader with 27 uh, hitting, you know, 931 OPS. So again, I, I shouldn't be surprised by Jordan Albert. And, and there's no way I'd be surprised by this had all things been equal and he not been having hand problems in the preseason, but the fact that he was having hand problems, this is certainly a pleasant surprise that he's able to then hit the ground running as quickly as he's been. Now he's having the, he's had the issues with the neck. So we'll see if he uh, is able to kind of get back on, on track and bounce back from uh, the, the neck injury, uh, whatever that was. Um, and as far as concerns, um, I uh, am also, you know, it, 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 any number of things. I'm I'm looking at Alex Bregman, and you you know you mentioned the fact that he is hitting 219. His OPS is uh, sub 700 right now, and um, I know that's just kind of how it seems to be for Bregman. But you'd really hope uh, that you could get more out of the guy who's you know hitting in your number three spot right now. Special, well, I guess it, it rotates where he's hitting right now, but you you would really hope to get more out of him. Um, and you know he's. There's times in which it looks like he's coming around. His swing's looking better and better. Uh, I don't know that the eye is there right now. He, he does seem to be looking at a lot of pitches in the zone, but we'll see. I mean, I, I definitely trust Bregman to hit his way out of this uh, slump more than I trust uh, where you know Jose Abreu is at, just because there's a larger sample sizing of power that is missing from his game. Um We'll talk more about that later. Uh, another concern on uh, this, this Astros team has been from the catcher position, Martin Maldonado. And um, up until a breakout double uh, from the series finale against the Phillies, Maldonado was in, a, in the throes of an 0 for 24 slump. Uh, he is somehow hitting worse uh, with an, than he did last year with an average of 156 and an on-base percentage of uh, 25%. Um, so Dusty always perplexes us with his lineups and his rotations. He had a, uh, a quote yesterday and I want to read it. So I'm going to read it off of my phone here. I don't have a graphic for it, but, um, 
when asked about Maldine his playing time, he says, uh, you know, these guys talking about the pitchers, they love throwing to Maldi. Uh, that's the most important combination there is on the field, your catcher and your pitcher. Plus, it's been difficult because we've had every six day off. Uh, we've had every Thursday off and you can't really say you're tired at this point. We'll get him in there speaking to uh, Diaz. Um, just wait until a couple weeks from now when we start all those consecutive games. Uh, I try to get him in there when I can. It's been difficult to get Salazar in there as well. Uh, they'll all play on this team. It, it's kind of a, of a perplexing thought that you're as equally concerned about Diaz not getting opportunity as you're Salazar, considering that Diaz is probably a, a future piece or you hope is a future piece on this team. Um, you know, so there was a, Charlie, I don't know if you saw this, there was a tweet from the Astros account that got deleted. Uh, I believe it was about a week ago back where after uh, they, there was a victory when uh, Yiner Diaz started, uh, it noted that the Astros were undefeated 6-0 with Yiner Diaz starting behind the plate. The tweet got deleted. Now, I don't know whether that was because, uh, you know, maybe it was based on starts and they didn't clarify it, uh, you know, because I guess he's been in seven games, but he's, I guess, started six. They've won six. At least they had at that the time of that graphic. Um, so I guess, I guess I'm, Starting to, uh, are you surprised, first of all, that we're not seeing more of Yiner Diaz, especially in light of the mighty struggles of Martin Maldonado? Well, first, uh, I need to get this in at least once this season. So here goes. Uh, the Astros scrubbing that tweet of a simple fact, and they still remain undefeated in the games that Maldonado has not been the starter. Uh, as lame as the decision to keep the roof closed, evidently every game forever now, unless maybe <laughs> baseball dictates otherwise in the playoffs. Just a couple of perfect evenings uh, last week, even the Sunday night game against the Phillies. Uh, it's lame. Um, I guess not surprised because we have the, the dusty Maldonado track record there. But the every Thursday off thing is problematic, is ridiculous. Maldonado started... 21 of the first 28 games. Well, that's simple math, 75%. So that would be 120 starts extrapolated over the full season. Dusty's justifying that in part at this point, saying, well, with a day off every Thursday, there's no reason to get tired. So imagine what Maldonado would be doing if he were tired. Right. Um, what is tired is the idea that only Maldonado can work with the Astros pitchers at an acceptable level. Maldonado has deteriorated deteriorated behind the plate, leading the league in pass balls, a couple of other wild pitches that you could say that could have been scored a pass ball. He has a low percentage throwing out opposing base dealers. Now, most catchers do with the larger bases and a little shorter distance. Stolen base percentages are up. But Yonder Diaz has thrown out three out of seven. Maldonado's thrown out three out of 14. Um, offensively, it took a two hit Sunday, two hit game Sunday night for Maldonado to be hitting over my weight. And that's, that's not good. I mean, he's never been a good offensive player. He's a 209 career hitter. So we shouldn't be thinking, why can't we have Mike Piazza like numbers from our catcher and that Diaz will be a force set the bar lower than that, but set the bar higher than a guy with an OPS of 460 or wherever it is. 
and 75% of the time you're going to catch every third game Diaz should be catching. Uh, I would almost like to see a very, very minor ankle tweak or something for Maldonado where Diaz got a week of run where he got settled in with regular playing time and the routine of preparation and knowing you're going to get three, four plate appearances every day for a week and see what he does with it. And that shouldn't be the, the final judgment on whether Yanner Diaz is a prospect. But of course, they're overplaying Maldonado. He's just not a net positive player at this point. The Astros pitching staff earned run average. and We're still in that sample size range where it can be a little random or coincidental. Their staff ERA is lower when Maldonado is not catching. Now, I'm not saying Maldonado has gone catching senile and he's a problem back there. But that, oh, geez, the Astros are putting themselves behind the eight ball. If they have anyone but the savant, the genius, catching Yoda behind the plate, it's just not true. I, I want to preface this by saying I'm a big fan of Martin Maldonado, the person. Seeming, seems, I mean, I don't know him personally, but he seems to be a nice guy, seems to be an enjoyable dude, seems to be affable. The players love him. And so, an all-time and- legendary Houston sports quote. Uh, made that much richer and, and, and greater with the accent. They want Houston. They got Houston. That's going to yeah. live forever here. And but and no one no one goes on forever. Whether it's father time yeah. or just performance falls off the table, and you know you, you can't be living in the past, man. Yeah, and and I I think one of the greatest uh, probably memes that came out of that run. I think it was last year where Martins like lounging uh i think he's at second base and he's just kind of lounging there and that they've i've seen like some uh people make shirts out of it like maldi's maldi's hilarious from that level i'm glad they brought him back i'm glad that his you know contract vested i I think it's starting to become evident why the christian vasquez thing wasn't even a consideration because of, of, of what we're seeing here um and it's it's so weird that he has this much loyalty towards one person. Uh, I I guess that's good. And I know there is a difference between hitting and pitching, but earlier in the season, when there were questions about Jake Myers getting opportunities um, over McCormick, when McCormick was hitting so well, and he was, he continued to put everybody, he said, well, you know, you got to put everybody in because uh, you know, you, you never know when you're going to need those guys. And so you, you want to get everybody an opportunity because if you need to rely on them later, then you're going to want to have them have confidence. And so playing them gives them confidence. He seems to be applying that to everywhere except for Yiner Diaz, because if you're, if something happens to Maldi, like what you said, like where he goes down with an injury and you're going to need Diaz on a day-to-day basis, you're not instilling confidence in him right now. Like you're bringing up Ryland Bannon to hit DH for you right now, as opposed to just having, uh, you know, Diaz hit in the DH role for you. And, you know, it's one thing to do that on days in which Diaz is catching, but you're carrying three catchers on this roster. So it is mightily perplexing. I've said perplexing like 18 times, but that's the best way I can describe it. It is puzzling that, Diaz cannot buy an at bat with this team. Um, I, I just don't really know. And again, like I'm wondering how does that apply when you're talking about you, you need to instill confidence and Hey, and, and to Dusty's credit, that opportunity that he gave to Myers is paying off because Myers is starting to slowly become that guy that we saw pre-injury 
that pre-shoulder injury, he's becoming a guy who is putting together good at bats. And we saw him hit, uh, you know, that Homer at uh, the series finale against the Phillies. So kudos to dusty. And from that standpoint that he's, uh, you know, spreading around the wealth. You wouldn't know what you had in Jolks if you weren't giving him opportunities and he's, you know, continues to run him out there. But I do wonder, uh, you know, why we're not seeing the wealth get spread around with Yiner Diaz. I think that uh, Dusty answered it honestly. I don't think he was skirting the question. I just think we disagree with his outlook on it, that he, uh, I think, is overly valuing what Maldonado means defensively and as a handholder to the pitchers. Right? Diaz caught a couple of Hunter Brown starts, right? The one wet behind the ear guys in major league terms in the rotation. And Hunter Brown held up okay. And I'm unaware of him thinking, boy, I'd be so much better if they get that Diaz guy out of there. Let me throw to Maldonado. Uh, and after that, they're all veteran guys who aren't going to wet their pants. And, oh, no, Yiner's back there. And they're certainly not thinking, oh, boy, if I bounce a curveball, there's not Maldi to stop it because he doesn't stop him the way that he used to anyway. Uh, offensively, right, their, their margin of error is, is reduced some. Right? We're talking about the number nine hitter, so no one should be pining for a guy who can hit 275 with 20 homers. But maybe Yiner Diaz would be that guy, and if so, he wouldn't wind up hitting ninth uh, on a regular basis. But when you've had Dubon in for Altuve and you've mixed and matched in for Brantley, and Abreu has been a human tombstone, batting cleanup much more often than not, though at least Dusty dropped him down to six finally in the in the Saturday game. Um, if you're just throwing away a spot with a, a, a triple-A player offensively, when you have a clear alternative worthy of a shot with the pedigree throughout his whole minor league career, uh, I just feel like you're kicking him in the head a little bit, giving him basically on average one plate appearance per game through the first uh, month and change of the season. Uh, moving on to uh, some unfortunate news that came out of the Philly series. Injuries seem to be the theme of uh, 2023, uh, unfortunately. And Jose Arquiti left Sunday's game with shoulder discomfort. Uh, as we are recording this, we are awaiting results of his MRI. That sounds ominous, probably just precautionary, knock on wood. Um, this team is once again waiting on a return by Lance McCullers. Um, and he's still not close to being coming back. The last update we got was he was throwing from uh, the front of the mound, um, which by the way, where, you know, the title of this podcast is a little bit of a, a, a nod to wrestling. And if I may use a wrestling analogy just once on this podcast, briefly McCullers feels like the undertaker at the end of his career, he would basically wrestle one match a year at WrestleMania. And then it would take him all year to recover just in time for WrestleMania to where he could do one more match. And that kind of seems to be, to be where we're at with McCullers, where he uh, shows up in time for the playoffs and then is recovering uh, throughout the, uh, the rest of the year leading up to that. But I guess kind of looking at where we're at with uh, Arkady and we talked about, oh, well, what happens when Lance McCullers come back? Do they go to a six-man rotation? Uh, who's the odd man out? Well, we don't even get to answer that question before we have uh, you know, some concern, at least, that's, that pops up around uh, one of your other starters. How, con how concerned are you about the depth of this rotation if they lose Urquidy for any stretch of time? Um, and who do you think 
will be a guy who they look to lean on to provide some backup for that depth. But Forrest Whitley was maybe an outing or two away from, all right, he's finally going to get his shot in the major leagues. And it could still well happen, but he's hit a very rugged stretch with three crummy outings in a row. Unlucky 13. 13 innings pitched, 13 earned runs allowed. Uh, last three trips cumulatively for Forrest Whitley. You know, you have your organizational guys. If it's a starter to a Brandon Belak type guy, you can find those in an organization. Uh, they have guys who are kind of down the pecking order, you know, nowhere close to top 100 major league prospects. You get a Sean Dubin or maybe a JP France who had a couple nice outings, but they don't have a hot pitching prospect uh, at this point. You know, if we want to back it up a little bit when they had a, a guy like Brad Peacock, who wound up in the rotation for a while and, and did some stellar work uh, for the Astros. Um, silver lining, I guess, uh, I think Erkiti would be considered their fifth best starting pitcher right now after Fromber and Javier and Garcia and Hunter Brown, whatever order for those four. Uh, but he was a very steady innings eater last year, over 160 innings and ERA in the mid threes. That has real value as a back end of the rotation. That's better than a very strong majority of the teams. So uh, as you said, knock on wood, but if Rikidi was to go on the shelf for a, for a longer period of time, who steps into the breach, right? Stretching out Ronald Blanco. Well, that hasn't happened since he's been a, a mop-up reliever at this point and, and hasn't pitched well. Uh, so it may be just someone they give a start if they need the role filled, see what happens and you do well, you get another one. If not, well, call up the next contestant. Uh, do they get to somewhere where if you have uh, another injury on top of that, hey, we need to explore a trade for rotation depth. You know, not a Verlander, Zach Greinke in-season type blockbuster, uh, but what is your minor league capital if you want to go engage there? So McCullers' return at, at whatever point takes on, obviously, increased importance if you have someone else down in your rotation as opposed to, hey, you can spread the workload out among six guys when you're playing 13 days in a row or 17 days in a row. Yeah, with McCullers, no ETA, and we don't know what the status is of Arkady. By the um, way, did you do that whole Undertaker thing because it was tying into the pitcher who says, bury me in the H? <laughs> no, that was just a fortunate coincidence. Uh, yeah, that was that was just a happy coincidence there. Uh, but nice catch. I, I appreciate the call out. Uh, and and I, I had to do it uh, with, speaking of Undertaker references, I had to do it with Josh not on this because his eyes would have been rolling during that analogy like the Undertaker because... Oh, mine were you know, internally. Yeah, exactly. I'm a player. That's right. Um, but, uh, but, you know, you know, you look at, you look at the no ETA for McCullers and we, again, we don't know like, you know, what this is for Arkady. It could, it could be nothing. He could, you know, maybe he misses a start. If, if anything, maybe he doesn't miss any starts. You would, you would assume maybe, you know, uh, maybe it's a start or two that he would miss uh, at, 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 at best uh, or may, maybe at worst, hopefully at worst. And they do um, have one more of those Thursday off days this week. So yeah. you can cover one turn through. Yeah. But, but we haven't really seen one of those big blockbuster trades from the Astros in a couple of years. And granted that's because as you mentioned, they've, they've already kind of emptied the cupboard and doing that. But, you know, there is some talk about uh, Shohei Otani uh, possibly forcing his way off of the angels. Should uh, they not be in, in, uh, in contention later in the year? 
do the Astros have, and this uh, probably pie in the sky here, but do the Astros have the sort of um, assets uh, on the team, whether it's minor leagues or players where they could, you know, maybe put a competitive deal to rent Shohei Otani for the postseason? Uh, I think no chance in terms of a short-term acquisition unless something that would make any Astros break out in hives when they say, uh, okay, for Shohei, well, let's start with Kyle Tucker and go from there. Right. Where you're robbing Peter to pay Paul. Uh, the Astros farm system is one of the weaker among the 30 franchises. Now, player development can make up for that. Diamonds in the rough, under-evaluated players. But right now, if the Angels fade – and they're right in that 500 range where the Astros are. But if if come late June or any point in July, they're thinking we need to trade him. And frankly, if they're not strongly in the race, their play should be to trade him for the haul you can and tell Shohei, we're going to trade all this stuff for you, and then we'll pay you whatever your market rate is on top of that. Win-win for us, the Angels, that is. Uh, but I think if Shohei gets to market, he's a, he's a goner. But uh, the Astros, I mean, the, the Angels would ask for – Hunter Brown, um, you know, Yiner Diaz isn't as good a prospect as the kid who's hurt for the Angels now. So, no, I couldn't see the Astros credibly getting in the bidding on on Shohei at all. I mean, but you you bring up a good point. I mean, so you if they're asking for Hunter Brown or Tucker, I mean, he does fill those positions. So, but it would be, I mean, you know, that would be truly mortgaging your your future for a one year run. And I. I Certainly don't see that, but kind the of would be ferocious. Yeah. Right? So if as an Astros fan, you're saying, well, that's ridiculous. We'd never trade Tucker and Hunter Brown for a guy who might leave in two months. Yeah, uh, exactly. And let's throw on the angels would probably say, we want Jeremy Pena too. Yeah. Um, because if, you, if you're trading major league players, you know, they're going to want a couple who are under control for a bunch of years, Hunter Brown check, Jeremy Pena check, but Tucker could walk on them in, in two years after, after this one, right? Even if Shohei is short term, the Mets are in, the Yankees are in, the, the Dodgers are in. Uh, and there are too many teams that just have way better prospect bases they can tap into, to, whether it's a short-termer that the Angels aren't going to get everything they could have gotten had they traded him last July. But uh, the Astros just don't, don't have the goods that they did to make the best offer for Verlander, for Granke. And by the way, the Astros gave up not one guy who turned out to be a big deal. You know, any of those trades, Seth Beard, Daz Cameron, uh, Franklin Perez, um, but at the point you make the trade, they have to be guys held enough in high regard that another team is thinking, well, maybe this will be the star for us down the road. And that's where we get the GM biz. Well, we hope it works out for all parties. No, you don't. You hope to rob the other guy blind. Right? You trade big-time prospects, you hope they flame. You don't want them to go on and be stars elsewhere. And right, Jeff Luno won, won repeatedly on, on those deals. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned uh, Seth Beer because I kind of keep a running tab on him uh, because – tab, you did it again. I did it, yeah. did it again. I I like to I like to just keep track on him because uh, you know there was a lot of made about like oh man you're getting rid of this this big bat you know that you're you might need later and you mentioned it he's just turned out to be he's he's hitting like 200 in the minors right now with an on base percentage of under 600. I remember uh, AJ Reed in the Astros organization the minor league player of the year behemoth. Uh, slugger and in the uh, major leagues couldn't hit water falling out of a boat, right? The, the percentage of prospects who hit it big, it's small, right? It's hard. And there are only finite number of spots to get the opportunity and then to, to flourish on, on top of that. 
uh, which is why I often will say, you know, one definition of potential is everything you have yet to accomplish. And in a lot of cases, that goes eternally unaccomplished. You do say that. And speaking of things that have not been accomplished so far, um, Jose Abreu. Chandler Rome wrote a piece for The Athletic uh, chronicling what has been the worst month of Jose Abreu's career. Charlie, we keep hearing about Abreu's traditionally slow start. Which way do you fall on this? Do you think um, we'll see some homeostasis, some regression back to his career stats uh, that he has to do better? Uh, you know, there's only one way to go up. Or do, uh, do you think that uh, the sample size is becoming large enough now to uh, raise grave concerns? Well, there's a blend. Uh, a grave concern should be there. Now, Alex Cintron, one of the Astros hitting coaches o- over the weekend, saying, I'm not worried at all. Well, what's he going to do? Come out and say in one month into a guy they gave three years, $58.5 million. Of course, we're concerned he could be washed up. And Cintron can't say that, even if it's absolutely what he's thinking. But he's naive if he's saying, what, me worry? Um, regression to the mean is not inevitable, especially when you're 36 years old, clearly had lost bat speed, uh, done it here a couple of times, and, well, here's at least one last shot at it. May 16th of last season, Abreu woke up batting 197, OPS in the 600 range, and other than the home run power, went on to have a really good year. An OPS 850, batting average 307. But he's a year older. Uh, the ditch he's digging is a, is a very deep one. Uh, I'm concerned that his plate discipline is horrible. First 112 at-bats along with striking out 25 times, four walks drawn. So along with the batting average steadily dipping south, the on-base percentage is awful which are a couple more reasons that batting him in the cleanup spot, the vast majority of games to this point. Dusty, it's not scripture. I have to split up my left-handed hitters. Um, And so, you know, it's father time putting the beat down here on Jose Abreu. Uh, I've wondered a little, and, you know, he doesn't think the pressure of joining the team is any sort of factor. Well, would a player fully grasp that uh, or admit to it? Or is he in serious decline? Uh, It's now one home run in his last 83 major league games played. That's more than a half season of baseball with one more home run than you and I have combined. (laughs) Um, And everyone listening, watching combined, you know, cleanup hitters making 19 and a half million dollars per year. Aren't supposed to be punching Judy guys who slap singles once in a while, never walk and strike out a lot and play sub optimal defense at first base. So it's been an, an absolute, atrocity of a first sixth of the season. Uh, There is time for redemption ongoing and longer term over the three years, but 36 and looking this bad so far, if it's not troubling, well, your, your head's lodged in the sand. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to put you on the spot here because there's been a lot of, there's a lot of narrative. Obviously he replaced a fan favorite in Yuli Gurriel uh, Yuli Gurriel is not an everyday starter now, but he is uh, batting uh, 306 right now with an on ba- OPS of uh, over 800. Should should they have kept kept Yuli? I mean, he. I mean, obviously, he had a really it's revisionist history to 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 you know make that kind of determination based off of what was a really bad 
2022 for Yuli, but they would have only been uh, you know tied to him for one year. The Sabreu contract is a three. And hey, again, not being revisionist, we all thought that contract was uh, good. I think there was a lot of the the fans across the league were just like, oh, here are the Astros doing it again. They're going to add another weapon and they're going to replace Yuli with a guy who's just going to be better. He has not been better. So uh, with the benefit of hindsight, would have Yuli been the better option? Uh, I want to say too early to go there, as as you alluded to, Brandon. It's been part-time playing time for Gurriel, you know, roughly 50 at-bats but including an inside-the-park homer. So at almost 39 years old, he did hustle it all the way around the bases once. Um, when you sign a Brave for three years, who is way, way better than, than Yuli and has been better than Yuli pretty much every year since they've both been over here. Yuli's the older player. Uh, the 2020 hindsight component, and the fact that it would have been one year, you know, and if Yuli was as bad this year as he was last year, well, it's still better than what Abreu's been so far. I mean, my goodness, that 50-50 raffle the Astros do, the prize could be you get to play first base for a game and you could get half the production at, that Abreu's uh, given you so far. So I guess uh, the clock ticks on this. And uh, might Abreu be the, the worst contract of the Crane administration? I mean, Carlos Lee you know, became kind of a, a symbol of the Astros' demise when they gave him six years, $100 million dollars. Carlos Lee had a couple of very good years here and then he declined and the Astros went right along with him. Uh, so if you're getting no return uh, out of Abreu, you know, this is one that uh, could be a bit of an albatross also ties into the fact when you have nothing in your minor league system, no one remotely close as a, as a first base prospect or a, you know, big outfielder, you're saying you could move him to first base, which is part of why, Hey, maybe Michael Brantley, 36 years old, coming off a bum shoulder. Let's expose him to having to stretch for throws and, uh-oh, whatever runner collides with him at first base. Uh, a little bit of desperate times, desperate measures here. Uh, if Abreu's no better a month from now than he was through his first month, then the contract's going to be looking like a disaster. And I don't care what kind of career run producer he's been. He's been awful with runners in scoring position. He's routinely late on fastballs. He has looked washed up. But he nope. had a start last year where he could have said a lot of the same thing at this point on the calendar – but a year older now, that was then, this is now. So uh, I think it's an Amish saying, uh, we can only hurry up and wait and, and see how this unspools a little bit further. But it could not have gone worse uh, for the Astros transactionally than Yuli, one year, three million, no thanks, which I thought was the right call. It's time to move on. Uh, Bray's resume, even with a power outage the second half last year, still a good player but he has been one of the worst players in the major league so far. Well, uh, and uh, to another Amish Amish saying, hopefully he gets churning. Uh, how much is the Jim Crane kind of aversion to long-term contracts kind of at play here? Because he really wasn't really in the market for any of the, the younger guys that, that were out there uh, to be had. And so here's, Here's, you know, a, an Astros contract where they'll play a guy, they'll pay a guy on the back end of their their careers to come in, like the way they've done with Brantley. You know, they'll, they've just kind of given Brantley these small contracts and, you know, they're more manageable, a lot less risk. 
but it kind of flies in the face of what they've done with the Bray, just because the whole reasoning is you don't want to be tied to these guys for too late in their career. They could sign Kyle Tucker, who has no signs of falling off. And, you know, they could sign him through the prime of his career with a long-term deal. But looking at this Abreu contract, we've mentioned it on this podcast before. It is very interesting that they were willing to sign a guy to a contract that takes him to right up to 40, right? That, that, that seems to kind of contradict the reasoning of why you wouldn't want to be locked into a guy long-term, correct? Agree. Uh, Kyle Tucker's just 26. So if you did this year... And in a seven-year extension, uh, last week we referenced the contract Brian Reynolds worked out with the throw nickels around like manhole covers Pittsburgh Pirates. Two years older than Kyle Tucker, a lesser player than Kyle Tucker. All right, Kyle Tucker would command more money if he and the Astros to work out, say, an eight-year deal than Reynolds got with the Pirates. Eight years, roughly $106 million. But Astros revenues versus Pirates revenues, Astros quality of roster relative to the Pirates, their fantastic start, uh, notwithstanding, you know, eight years, 180 million would not be a, you know, a devastating franchise contract if Tucker the last couple of years really was to fall off. But he'd be 32, 33 years old the last two years of an eight year uh, contract, whereas Abreu's 36 in year one of his three-year deal. So, yeah, I think it's a challenging balance. I think overall, Crane has had tremendous fiscal discipline, but uh, it's an octopus, right? You chop off one leg and it'll regenerate itself. Well, uh, the Astros are going to have to amp it up, and here's where Dana Brown will be really earning his money over the next couple of years, getting a farm system that's producing quality major league talent as – you get into where maybe Bregman's not a great player anymore. Uh, Altuve, when he gets back, he is 33 years old. Right? Jolks, McCormick, Myers, none of those guys. Dearden, the two catchers, you know, are any of them going to be star-level players? And so while the Astros have magnificently absorbed the losses over years of Springer and Correa and Verlander and Cole, you can't go on that way forever unless you are continually – uh, adding from the minor leagues plus talent. Right? Jeremy Pena qualifies there, but he doesn't look like any sort of superstar. Um, he was a superstar last postseason, and he has Houston legend uh, ever for that. And this year he's off to a good, solid start. Hey, he's on pace for 36 home runs. He's also on pace to strike out 180 times with an OPS a little over 700. A little bit better than, than average. Maybe he ascends into a full-blown star. But you're not going to win big over the next extended period in Astros history without a next generation of real stars. And the two best bets on this roster right now, well, Jordan is locked up for this year and five more. And Kyle Tucker is a star level player, literally an all-star for the first time last year. And he's 26 years old. So if you're unwilling to go seven, eight years on a guy like that, right? Springer was 31. Correa had the injury history, the durability problems. Kyle Tucker, what box is he not checking off if you're just going to say, we're not going to do a long-term seven-year-plus deal with him no matter what? Intelligence allows for change. I think Crane and the Astros in this era, they, they have enough capital that they should be given longer leash to evolve their position on, on some of these things. I think they're going to have to just in the overall market landscape, one. And two, well, where's the rest of your premium talent coming from in 2025, 26, 27? That brings us to um, 
I think our bottom line question of the week. And uh, this is where I pose a question and then everyone uh, gets a chance to answer in the comment section. So we encourage you to please comment. Uh, we have one less person to answer because Josh is out this week. So uh, it'll just between you and I, Charlie, you mentioned uh, kind of the situation and kind of where everything is at right now um, with the farm system, uh, being fiscally disciplined. Uh, some fans call that cheap. It's always easier to spend uh, someone else's money. But if they don't extend Kyle Tucker and he, and he walks and then uh, again, you're looking at the farm system, there's really not anything here that you would expect to be able to replace him unless maybe, um, you know, Dearden becomes something, uh, you know, a, a good player. Uh, there's also the other, uh, uh, Drew Gilbert, uh, you know, the outfielding prospect Drew Gilbert could, could certainly, uh, you know, make a case for, you know, being on the main roster in the next couple of years. But let's say that doesn't work out because we talked about this earlier. Uh, you know, potential is all the things you haven't done yet. Drew Gilbert may not pan out. Maybe, you know, Deer Justin Dearden may not pan out uh, or, or maybe they do, but maybe it's a, to a lesser, maybe it's, they're a lesser player and perhaps you just get gradually, um, you know, slightly less good at every position. The Astros, you know, maybe fall out of contention. How how long is it before this fan base gets antsy on uh, Jim Crane? Because Jim Crane's given this city its only two baseball championships. He's turned a franchise around that was very middling forever. He took three years to turn it around with a really good GM. But at what point do fans, uh, you know, start to get, you know, that what have you done for me lately feeling? Uh, because right now, from the outside looking in, it certainly appears that that they are coasting based off of the team that Jeff Luno built. Um, I want to say coasting. They did just win the most recent World Series. They. Uh, I would say the first time they miss the playoffs, it will be very noticeable the year after that, that interest slackens off and uh, ticket prices have, have gone up and, hey, you're going to milk the cow for all you can when, when things are uh, high and mighty. Uh, throw in what if the Texans are actually in the process of getting things right. We're probably deepest in the Houston markets. DNA football comes first if everything else is, is equal. At, uh, to a lesser extent, what if the Rockets have it figured out? If they pray successfully for a victor, or the Astros on top of their brilliance, what a dovetail for them. The Texans have been garbage and the Rockets have been as bad, if not worse, over the last three years. So, uh, I mean, the Astros, it's been lock, stock and barrel for them. It's not going to be that way forever. And, you know, their weekends now are pretty much sellouts. All three of the games of the Philly series were. and, and But uh, they run discount stuff. For, for weeknight games, um, variety of just economic conditions and price points on, on some tickets. Um, are they going to draw 3 million this year? Several, the, the Cardinals do, and they haven't been as good as the Astros for a while. And this is a larger market. You know, there are some challenges, I guess, unique to the Houston market because we're so sprawled out and, and that. Um, hey, Jim Crane is a legendary owner, owner here. You can't take that off the wall, whatever happens going forward. But, you know, you use the phrase, what have you done for me lately? And whether that's reflected in interest level or cash on the barrel head, what I'm willing to do to go buy tickets to, to support a product. Um, it's, it's not a honeymoon. 
but the 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 once the uh, the cotton isn't so tall, it doesn't take that long for for people to go look for another crop to buy into. Um, so you know the the Rockets back after they won their couple championships, they had a three four year stretch where they were still pretty good, where they could count on sellouts but fewer games and you had, you know, Elijah Wan and for a couple of years, Drexler. Well, what if Altuve and Bregman aren't here in 2025 and your team's not all that good? Uh, but I do want to circle around and for 2023, barring a stack of injuries, this team's fine. Uh, two games behind the Rangers. Right now, who realistically thinks the Rangers are going to win the American League West? The upcoming road trip, Seattle and the Angels. Uh, the Astros are better than them. And let's throw in the Astros have not gotten a crack at Oakland yet. Right? They have two series <laughs> in the month of May with the A's. And if the Astros don't destroy them, well, shame on them. Right? You play down to the competition and you split six games with the A's, boo on you. Well, maybe then the Astros are going to turn out to be not such a real good team this year. Um, but uh, this is a month where, you know, I'm not saying they should go 22 and six or anything like that. But uh, that road trip culminates with three at the White Sox, who are just a horror show. And for a cheap smile on Astros fans' face, faces, it's it's not good form to revel in the misery of others, but there are usually exceptions. Uh, you think the Yankees and their fans are having night sweats over Aaron Judge and that hip? Right, so the Astros' problems are relative problems. It's just they've been so good for so long and 106 wins and won the World Series last year. So if you see a, a little crack here, a little crack there, it doesn't mean the foundation's about to crumble. No, and, it, and it's a credit to what Jim Crane has built to where, as as reigning World Series champions, we we're even talking about like, well, what if what if they're not the champions? What's going to happen then? Uh, six straight uh, LCSs is, is unheard of. It's something that I, again I talked about it. I think it was last week or on last week's episode. Uh, if you're not enjoying this, we don't appreciate it. Then shame on you. Uh, and I think, again, it, it's uh, a testament to how good these teams have been roster-wise that we even are are kind of talking about this because you have lost so many guys who have then gone on to get giant contracts on other teams, and and you just haven't missed a beat. I mean, you you lost Garrett Cole, uh, and and you went and world won a World Series, and and a lot of these things, uh, you know, where. Uh, they've let some of the older guys walk uh, have, have has been the right move. Uh, Charlie Morton, not so much, probably hindsight, hindsight, Charlie resigning Charlie Morton would have been a, a good move to make uh, for the Astros back then. But uh, f- to answer the question, I think it'll be the second year that they don't win or they don't advance to an LCS. I think, I think, just because that seems to be kind of the litmus of, of this team and kind of their, the water level for this team, as you like to say the you know, water finding its level, this, the water level of this team seems to be that the AL goes through Houston and the league championship series. The, the minute that's sustainably not true, uh, the second year I think is when you'll start to hear real rumblings from the fan base and, you know, hopefully that it doesn't come to that. Hopefully, you know, Jim Crane's out in front of this enough to where, you know, they can rebuild or, uh, you know, grab, uh, you know, 
maybe maybe sign Kyle Tucker. But I do think I do think it is uh, it, it's going to be it, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out because Jim Crane has allowed so many of these pieces to walk, and then at some point, you know, I, I talk I said and maybe it was a poor choice of words, but coasting off of Jeff Lunell's roster, you're still a lot of these pieces are Jeff Lunell's roster. And I think the more alarming thing is you've had so much turnover at the GM position. I don't know what they've been able to do uh, to be able to stock the farm. And we won't really know until, until it is time for Kyle Tucker to leave like what you really have down there. And by that point, it may be too late, but hopefully Dana Brown Again, he was a big part of, of helping uh, the Braves to build up their roster. Hopefully he is uh, up for the task here because they're going to desperately need it. And that's the bottom line because Stone Cold said so. So that's it for the week. For Charlie, I want to thank our producer, Jack, and for everyone who listened and interacted with the show. Josh will be back next week. And until then, go Astros. <laughs>